Welcome everyone. This is uh, Bimlesh Gundara. Welcome to Pitch Camp. Uh, I'm super excited today to welcome uh, Morgan from JP Sales. He's the Director of Sales Execution and Evolution at JP Sales, one of the premier uh, sales training companies out in the US. This is our uh, 14th webinar on uh, Pitch Camp. And you know, we completed our uh, Sales for Entrepreneurs by Entrepreneur series. And now uh, you know, we have our Sales Leadership and Growth Marketing Series on PitchCamp. PitchCamp is, is, is an initiative to help uh, entrepreneurs to pitch better, to share their ideas with the world better. We do this through pitch coaching and with sales coaching for entrepreneurs. And you know, with that, uh, we welcome all of you for today's uh, session. I'm very glad uh, you know, all of you have been able to take uh, time out today and, uh, you know, and be part of this uh, event. And I couldn't be more excited uh, to have uh, Morgan join us. Uh, good morning, Morgan. Hey, what's going on? Excited to be here. Yeah, excited as well to host you on PitchCamp today. So I've been following uh, you, Morgan, for last uh, 12, 15 months on LinkedIn, and I'm fascinated with the way uh, you know you have built your fan following on the LinkedIn platform and the way you share your techniques and content. I was super excited, uh, you know, when you agreed. Uh, to be part on PitchCamp and share some of your tips and techniques uh, for our audience uh, today in India. So welcome. Yeah, you know, I'm excited to share some things that have been working in the marketplace and hopefully you all can take these and leverage the techniques to start getting results yourself. So Morgan, we'll kick this off. Uh, you know, I think uh, while we wait for people to join, I don't want to miss a single minute of, uh, of your precious uh, time and knowledge. So talk to us a little bit of your background. How did you get into sales? There are a lot of uh, stories out in the internet of successful, uh, you know, sales influencers that, you know, they started uh, their life in sales as old as, you know, when they were 10, 12, uh, not very common in India, but very common out in the, in the US. So talk to, a little, talk to us a little bit about your journey, uh, you know, of your professional career and some bit of your personal life so that we all know you better. Yeah. So... I'm born and raised out of Atlanta, Georgia, which is on the southeast side of the United States. And I never wanted to be in sales like most people don't <laughs> ever want to be in sales. So you kind of fall into it. And so I started off as a sales development rep, so an SDR. And you know, originally I wanted to be a sports agent, but that that never panned out. It didn't it didn't ever happen for me. So ended up at the end of the day going to the networking event that was locally here in Atlanta. And I talked to one of the people there and he mentioned to me that, hey, you should go look at a sales development role. And when you're there, you sh should go look at this company that recently got funding. So I ended up cold calling the VP of sales at the organization, which was unique in itself because a lot of people just don't call or email the person that is going to hire them. And then I was brought into the office and then I had the interview. And then from that interview, it led into a great conversation that led to me getting hired as a sales development rep. So that was my first job out of college. And the first three months I was, as I always tell people, well, it wasn't good. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't get quota for three months and uh, I almost wanted, I almost was like, ah, I'm out of here. Like I almost quit. And so from that, 
conversation with my VP of sales and telling her that I wanted to quit. She told me, was I giving my, she asked me like, was I giving a hundred percent? And I realized that I wasn't, I wasn't giving a hundred percent at all. And then I took a step back and realized that I have a lot more to give, to give, to make sure that people can see success. And so from that standpoint, you know, what I've continuously been doing is trying to evolve myself and grow to give best practices and to figure out what's working and what's not. And so on top of that as well, you know, another piece to that is I started a YouTube channel when I was a sales development rep. It was called the SDR Chronicles. It's still out there. And I made content every single day. And then from there, I then got promoted to an SDR manager where I managed 13 reps on. Then I taught them strategy, best practices and things of that nature. And then from the YouTube channel, I got founded from there, which the company I work with today, which was just mentioned, JB Sales, John Barrows. And now for the past three years, I've been training teams on how to prospect and break through the noise and schedule meetings. And that's not just what sales reps. I do with founders, too. And that's been my career so far. Amazing. So you said you wanted to uh, be a sports agent. So was that an inspiration from Jerry Maguire? It was. <laughs> yeah. 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 I watched that movie and I was like, oh, yeah, that's me. That's it. That's what I want to go do. Uh, didn't pan out right, but it's all good. Fantastic. Thank you so much, uh, Morgan, for that uh, background helps to get that uh, context. So I know I'll I'll have you to jump, you know, right into the meat of uh, you know today's webinar. Uh, talk us through you know some of your thoughts and processes around the modern art of uh, sales prospecting. Absolutely, and as everyone has questions or they want to drop something in the chat, let me know. Um, but here, what I'm going to do is I'm going to share my screen, and we're going to go right into it. All right, I want to make this engaging as possible as we have this hour here together. All right. So what we're going to talk about today is the modern art of sales prospecting. What should, be, what should you be doing right now to start scheduling meetings and engaging with the people that you're looking to talk to? So this is this is super important because at the end of the day, doesn't matter how knowledgeable you are on closing or how great the product is, we have to be able to get people to see it. And so this right here, what I'm going to talk about is how can you make sure that you're leveraging best practices and structures for success? Now, there are no silver bullets here, all right? There's no magic formulas, because if that was the case, I wouldn't be here. I'd be on an island, I would have figured this out already, all right? But there's structure, there's formulas that will be here that you can implement, and we're gonna dive into it. And also, <clears throat> as I dive into certain things, if there's something you say, oh, well, does that work in my region? Like, let's have a conversation about it. I've trained teams in India before, so I'm happy to have a conversation around it. So. Key thing here is understanding the differences between two different types of prospecting, which is the traditional prospecting and the modern prospecting. Now, traditional prospecting is the door-to-door, -door, sending out faxes, right? It's like going, doing all these things that we used to do, right? So now a news, like newspaper, right? So all these things we used to do in the past. Now we're in the modern world. So like, what does that mean? So what it means is that now we have LinkedIn that we can leverage the prospect. We now have emails that we can use, right? That are, that are sales-based emails instead of email campaigns. We also have videos that we can leverage now, right? Direct mail that we can use. So there's so many digital mail that we can use too. So there's so many things that we can do now that are a lot different. And so now we have to think about how can we be creative and unique in the way that we go about our prospecting so that people are willing to engage with us and have conversations. Because if they're not willing to engage with us, if they don't want to have these conversations, 
obviously it's going to be a lot harder for us to sell to the people that we're looking to talk to. So now we have to understand just like what's going on. Again, we have to figure out what can we do in a modern world that's going to get people excited. It's going to get people to focus in on what we're doing so that they'll take the conversation. And so from there, this is a breakdown that I want everyone to take notes on here, which is 738.55. So what that means is 7% is focus on the spoken word, 38% is voice and tone, 55% is body language. So what the 7% means is the written word. So what that means is the emails that you sent out. So that only incorporates 7%. So just being very mindful of that you're only getting that 7% there when you're writing out an email. Amazing. You're not getting the voice and tone. You're not getting the bio language. Next piece is the 38%. So this is a small little tip here. This is really important. And I always tell people this is sales is the transfer of enthusiasm. Right. So what that means is that you as as an individual have to be confident in what you're saying so that the prospect in return is confident and they're willing to take that meeting. <clears throat> but if you sound shy and you're like, Hey, like this is my product, like no one's going to pay attention to what you're saying. So you have to make sure that you have the confidence there and that energy is transferring to that person. Then the last piece is the 55%, which is the body language. What I mean by that is we can't go to face to face events anymore. We're not going to people's offices and having meetings. So now we don't have that body language, that way that we normally communicate. So now obviously right now we're on this video. So it's more virtual. So we're going to talk about how you can leverage video and start seeing success. But again, this is just another way to be thinking about your prospecting. It comes down to psychology, but I would take notes on this, the 7, 38, 55, it's important to know what these things are because it's going to lead you to more success at the end of the day. Right. So you have that in place. Now we got to talk about something else, which is content versus context. So there's marketing messaging and there's sales messaging. So content is marketing messaging, which means one to many, which is one to the masses. So when you look at email marketing campaigns, we're sending them out at scale to make sure, hey, we know we want to talk to all these people that we want to go talk to, right? And again, marketing's job is to create awareness for the brand at the end of the day. So content is super important from a marketing perspective. You want to make sure that you're doing that, right? However, at the end of the day, what we want to focus on is sales ready messaging, which creates context to the people that we're looking to talk to. So I'm looking to talk to this person, this person, this person. I got to make sure it's relevant and personalized for them. So they're willing to take that meeting. Otherwise, they're probably not going to be willing to engage with me. Right. So it's making sure that you're adding context to the people that you're talking to. And then while talking to those individuals, you're getting the results that you're looking for. <clears throat> so now that we're in this modern world and we have to understand that now we have to understand that you have to use multiple touches. So it's multi-touch prospecting. So this is just a graph right here. If you guys want to screenshot it, write it down, whatever you want to do. But the whole purpose of this graph is to show you the, how much usage rate goes within sales development organizations, which normally do the most of the prospecting, but just treat this as this is what most organizations do when it comes to prospecting, which is having a multi-touch approach. So it's not just doing a phone call. It's not just emailing. It's not just emailing and phoning. It's email, phone, LinkedIn, 
Are you using chat? Are you using social? It's using multiple channels to get in front of the buyer because the world has gotten more noisy. So we have to figure out how can we break through the noise with multiple channels, not just one, right? And adding context to each and every single one of those channels. So it creates that one-to-one relevancy that we're looking to have so we can start scheduling more meetings and what we're doing. And so in us understanding that, hey, we got all these different channels that we have, then we have to break them down into how do we deliver on each and every single one of those channels. So but if you guys have seen this movie before, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, right? right. You know, copies, copies for closing. You guys may have seen this before, but they talk about the ADA format. So attention, interest, desire, and action. All right. So these are the four stages that a buyer goes through to make a decision whether or not they're going to invest into taking a meeting with you. Right. So you see these right here, video, email, social, and phone. We're about to cover all four of these, and this is where we're going to get super tactical. So Make sure you're taking notes here. And these techniques and these structures I'm going to share with you is how we're working with clients and they're getting meetings. All right. So, but you have to make sure you're doing these four stages. And before I even tell you what to do, this is also important. So make sure you write this down. Was when you're doing your prospecting for all four of these channels, the goal is to make sure you're nailing this phrase. Be brief, be brilliant, be gone. Interesting. So I'm going to say that, say that one more time because this is really, this is the most important part. So because if you can get this mindset with all the things I'm about to share with you, you're going to get more results regardless. So be brief, be brilliant, be gone. So be brief means that you're not being long-winded. You know, when you're prospecting, your goal is not to write the next Harry Potter here. All right, your goal <laughs> is to be brief so people can quickly scan it and check it out, right? Then be brilliant, which is what's your value prop? What are you providing to that person? So again, you can get that result. And then the last piece is be gone. Sometimes we overwhelm the prospect by giving them way too much information, like I said, and we don't just disappear and move on. So with those four things, let's talk about this first. So LinkedIn video messages, all right? We're gonna talk about video first. So everyone in the chat, do me a favor. You got two options. One is put a one in the chat if you've never heard of this before, and you're like Morgan, I didn't even know you could do LinkedIn video messages. This is crazy. Or two, you're like I have heard of this before and I have done it. So if you guys could put that in the chat just to see again where everyone's at, it's a one or a two. Super simple here. One is hey, I, I've, I've never heard of this before, or two is like hey, I have heard of this before and I've done it. So. You know, I see some people in the chat putting some ones. We got some twos. So here's the thing, everybody. If you if you if you put a one, this right here is a huge game changer in terms of how you're going to go about your process here. If you put two, I might be sharing some additional information that you already know, or maybe you don't know, right? So we're going to dive into it. All right. So it doesn't matter what role you're in. This is going to be beneficial because. You can send videos to people directly on LinkedIn. And again, a lot of people don't know about this. So it's what I like to call a pattern interrupt. So everything I'm going to share with you right now is how you can interrupt people's patterns. So in five weeks, right? So I did an A-B test. I was like, all right, does this even work? And I sent 100 video messages. I got 40 responses in 27 meetings. Wow. So... 
to do the math for you all, that's a 40% <laughs> response rate and that's a 27% meeting efficiency rate. Now, it's pretty, pretty solid. It's pretty good. And we've seen clients do better than that. All right. There are people that I work, I work with, they have like 60% reply rate. We have someone with a 50% reply rate, right? This is pretty solid responses here. And again, at the end of the day, the goal here is to get someone to engage with us, to start a conversation. Now, how do you do that, right? You don't just make a video at random and people just respond. There's a process behind this, right? So let's talk about that. So first and foremost, in order to send a LinkedIn video message, you have to be first degree connected to the prospect. Now, with that being said, there's different ways you could connect with the prospect. We'll talk about that. So be mindful on it. We are, we are going to engage and we are going to discuss that. But you have to be first degree connected to the prospect in order to send a LinkedIn video. Next is your video only can be up to two minutes. However, I'm not telling you to make a two minute video. What you will find the most success with is less than 90 seconds. And I want you all to think about this as a movie trailer. So I don't know what your all's favorite movie is, but think about what that is. And the goal with the movie trailer at the end of the day is to get your interest, right? Get your interest to be like, huh, all right, I want to go see the movie. So when you're thinking about a video, the goal is, hey, I want to pique this person's interest enough so they want to have a meeting with me. And so you want to have the video be less than 90 seconds and you want the length of the video to be 45 to 60 seconds at the end of the day. By having it 45 to 60 seconds, you're going to see a higher response. And also you want to deliver this on your mobile device. That's the best mode of communication to do this on is what I'd recommend. Now let's talk about what is the formula to get this response, right? Because it's not just making a video. Like I said, there's a formula. So this formula, what I call it is the 10, 30, 10. So it stands essentially for 10 seconds, 30 seconds, 10 seconds. But again, if you're taking notes here, 10, 30, 10 is what it's called. Right. Now, how does this work? So let's break it down. So in the first 10 seconds, you want to state the reason for your video. And when you, every single time you start your video, you want to say the reason for my video is if you don't have a reason for the video, you shouldn't be making it in the first place. All right. So, so I want you guys just to start making videos to make videos just because you see this response rate. You got to follow this formula. All right. So you got to say the reason for my video is that's the first part then the next part is there's two different lanes so it's either the trigger or the reference point so what's the trigger the trigger is something i found on your website or linkedin so an example for me right i'm selling sales training so i go to someone's website and i notice you're hiring sales reps that's a trigger for me hey i notice you're hiring sales reps i can start the conversation out that way so that's a very personalized first piece of information in the first 10 seconds. Next, I'm gonna, the reference point is something on the challenge or priority. So something that you as a persona, you are going through. Hey, I talked to a lot of VP of sales like yourself and one of their main parties is X. Or I talked to a lot of VP enabled people and one of their parties is X, right? I'm gonna try to figure that out. And that's the 
the key goal there. So that's okay. the first two seconds, right? I've got, I've, I've piqued your interest. Now what I'm gonna do is I have to have the 30 seconds, which is your value prop. Now your value prop is essentially what do you offer to help what you talked about in the first 10 seconds. Now the whole goal here is based on the value prop, you should easily be able to get that from a cold call that you already are making. So just take the cold call reference, take your email value prop, and then you're gonna put it in the middle here for the 30 seconds. So that is self-explanatory there for the most part, but you wanna make sure that you create that message because that's the hook. And then the last 10 seconds is the call to action. Now the call to action piece is very unique. When most people think about a call to action, they say, hey, for, ask for 30 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever. So here you're not gonna do that. And you're gonna see example here when I go to the email portion, but what you want to focus on is your call to action being conversational. So you're gonna say any interest or in, are you curious for a deeper dialogue or are you open to learning more, right? So those are things that you wanna pay attention to. So I'm gonna go back and explain that call to action again. So conversational call to actions, interest call to actions is, are what they call or what they're called. And the two ones that you can start using right after this are one, are you open to learning more? Or two, are you curious to have a deeper dialogue? These are two call to action you can use immediately to start getting some responses. So you got your 103010, we've talked about it. I'm gonna show you guys just a couple of examples here of responses. Now, here's additional things to be mindful of when it comes to the video. Make sure that you smile. All right. Like, <laughs> this, is, this is a big tip. All right. Some of you guys probably laugh about this, but if you're not smiling, why would the person talk to you? Right. right. So you got to make sure that you're smiling. So the person's like, oh, all right. Like, yeah, I want to check. I want to check this out. Right. So make sure that you're doing that. All right. Otherwise, it's you're going to look really creepy and weird. All right, so make sure that you're smiling here. Also, make sure your lighting's on point, right? The one on the right, the lighting's not the best, right? I, I have it there as an example of like bad lighting, essentially, but make sure that you have good lighting so people can see you. Don't look like you're in a cave, all right? No one's gonna click a video if you look like you're in a dark cave, all right? It's not gonna make sense. Next thing is make sure you add context around your video. <clears throat> so this is also key because you're gonna give yourself context around what you're saying. So you notice in both my videos, I have a, just a quick context of, hey, this is what I wanna talk about. And then you see right here, I got responses. So Brian was like, hey, yeah, I definitely wanna meet. Let's, let's chat. And that's what led to that response. And also you notice as well, I normally have my hand, I just do a quick wave to say what's up. That's also another way I go about it too. Right. So once you send your video, this is an example from a client, he's out of Europe. So it works internationally for those of you wondering. And this is another piece of feedback, which is asking for feedback. Okay. So a lot of people, what they do, right. When they follow up, they'll say any thoughts on my last note or like bubblings back up to the top. Like that's annoying. All right. Don't do that. That's going to lead you to not as many responses as you'd like to have. So in me studying psychology and learning a lot of things about human behavior, I found that the most easy way for people to respond back to you is to not give them pressure, right? I don't want to pressure someone to respond to me. I want to be very conversational. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask for feedback. 
Right. So you know, here I ask for feedback. I don't say any thoughts on my last note. Bones back up to the top. Did you get my last? Did you get my last email? Nobody cares about that. What you want to do is ask for feedback. So you make your video, but don't just make your video and just leave it. Ask for feedback. Hey, person, did you have any feedback on my video message? And you wait two days to do this. All right. So here's the context here. I'm showing you guys live because this is just an example of it working. So two days later, you're going to ask for any feedback on what whatever you said. Then that person is going to come back and be like, oh, yeah, here's my feedback. Because feedback can be anything. It could be I like it. I don't like it. I haven't gotten to it. It doesn't have to directly pertain to the message. It's just looking for some type of feedback. And all we want at the end of the day is a response so we can move forward. So that's the key point there. All right, so now we're going to move to the email video. Now, this is where I want you all to take some additional notes here. So I think I can type. Yes, I can type in my chat. So I'm looking at my other screen. I'm going to give you all a tip, right? That's why I'm looking at the left here. So when you're doing a subject line for a video, let's say, hey, Morgan, I want to do some link. I want to do some email videos too. Cool. What I suggest is do not do them as your first touch. All right, this is key. Okay. Do not do your video touch as your first touch because most likely there's going to be a link. It's a screenshot, as you see here, and most of those get flagged and blacklisted as a first touch. So you don't want to do that. You want to have it as a second or third touch, all right, maybe even a fourth. And so this is going to be your subject line, all right? So this is a best practice subject line. So let's say I'm going after a cool right here. I got, we got a cool in here. Hopefully I'm saying your name, right? If not, you can make fun of me. So we got this right here. This is my subject line. All right. Your first name, right? Or you can put their company, whatever you want to do. Then I say, Hey, this is me. Then I put the L it's just L on your keyboard. It's a dash and then quick video. Why does that work? So let's talk about it quick. At the end of the day, everybody wants things to be quick. That's why we have Netflix, we have Uber, we have all this other stuff that we have out here. People want this. So if I say quick in my subject line, you're like, oh, this won't be long. So I'm going to open it because you know it's not going to take that long. Then video. When you put video in the subject line, you have a 16% increase in open rate. So you should do that. So that's the key there. Then the next piece is letting them know, hey, I made this video for you and here's why. You guys notice here, I tell them why I made the video. Then I say it's less than however many seconds it is. So I say, hey, it's less than one minute. It's less than two minutes. It's less than 60 seconds. Whatever you want to say. So that that's the key there. And then because of this, the video itself, I, it led to a response. I'm just showing you, hey, based on this format and the way I deliver the video and the subject line, it led to an engagement. It led to a response here from Josh. Cool. So that that's video. And I just want to show you all this. And then we're going to move on to the next piece of outbounding technique. So I want you all to see from a buyer's perspective how they see video. Right. So it's me telling you how video works. But we got to hear from what the what are the buyers saying? So this is right here. You guys see right here. This is what the buyer was talking about. And I'm not going to read the entire thing. But the whole goal with this is to make yourself human, more humanized in this current climate. Again, people are not commuting. People are not traveling. So they're sitting at home. So they want to be able to engage in a completely different way than they normally are used to. 
So at the end of the day, you see this right here. Taylor was like, hey, it was more real to me. There's still customers due to that video. And it was because of the quality approach that I did here. And so be mindful about what you're doing, how it comes off to that prospect. And again, you see from that buyer's perspective, they were willing to engage with me a little bit more and are willing to have that conversation too. So again, it was really cool to see this post that he made uh, based on me being a sales development rep. And you know, I, I sent out that video, but again, it was cool to see exactly what was going on here and, and that response there. So again, it's all about the quality during this time and it's all about breaking through the noise and video is one way to do that as you see here. Now let's go into the email. All right, so outbound email, how do you write emails effectively right now, right? What do you do? So here's another formula, all right? So I'm gonna give you all a breakdown. So it's the ADA again. So we gotta figure out how do we get their attention? Well, first and foremost, we have to have a subject line that's on point. So what, we've, what we have found to be helpful is the subject line that has less than five words leads to a higher open rate. Now, if you go over five words, you're not gonna get penalized, right? It's not gonna be like a button that comes up and, and says caution. I'm just telling you based on the data that less than five words leads to a higher open rate, right? So I mean, this one has a like six, right? So I'm like right there, but less than five words is where you wanna go. Whole goal is again, be brief, be brilliant, be gone, like I talked about. Then also the next thing you want to look at is the next four to five words. Okay, because if your first four to five words are not relevant to that person, they most likely will disengage with you. So you want to focus on saying, I noticed, I saw, I was researching, whatever the based on my research, I just gave you a couple, but I would encourage you all to stay away from hope all as well. Hope you're having a great weekend. Right? <laughs> Hope you're staying safe in these unprecedented times. All, all those things, right? Stay away from those, all right? If you know the person, cool, say that. If you don't, that is a filler, and it's wasting viable real estate of your email. So get rid of that immediately. Get rid of it. It's not going to be helpful. Okay, so get rid of the hope all has been well, the fluff, that stuff. We don't need that. What you want to do is say, hey, I noticed, I saw, I was researching, whatever that is. Your whole goal is the first two sentences should be personalized and it's something that you write yourself or can be done at scale as you see here. Then the next phrase, right? So it's all about the structure here. Subject line, less than five words, right? Next piece is, hey, I want these one to two sentences to be relevant and personalized. Then the middle you see right here, I wanna make sure my value props on point, right? Then the next piece is the call to action, as you see here. Last thing I'll add is this sign off. So thanks in advance. So some of you may not like this language, right? You could even say, thanks for your consideration, right? All I'm telling you here is this is the number one sign off that leads to the highest reply rates. So if you put thanks in advance, It'll help you get higher reply rates. If you don't like that, you can put thanks for your consideration, whatever you want to do. But the thing is, thanks in advance is the highest reply rate one. But again, thanks for your consideration. You can also do that one as well. If you don't like that language, you can also use best and cheers. We've seen that to be effective as well. So with your, when you're doing your emails, your whole goal is I want to make sure my subject line is 
readable. And also I want to make sure that my first four to five words are, are appealing to that person because people can see it in the preview, right? So I'm gonna give you this additional stat too. So I'd write this down. 78% of emails are read on a mobile device. So what I want you all to think about is when you're writing your email, how is it going to be, how is it going to be seen on this phone? Not how it's going to be seen on your laptop, right? But how is it going to be seen on this phone? That's super key. And also on top of that, we've seen that the highest reply rates in terms of outbound emails are two to five sentences. So you don't want to write a novel here, right? You don't want to write an autobiography and tell them how amazing your company is. Nobody cares. They just, your whole goal is to figure out what do, what can I do to help this li- help this person's life and make it easier, right? So, and you should have a quick, be brief, be brilliant, be gone email to do that, right? So you have the first two sentences, you have your value pop, your call to action. And so this email right here is a template that I have created. And now what I can do is I can create this at scale, which then goes into this. So what this infographic means is that you want to personalize up to 20% of your emails because it'll help two extra reply rate. So your first two sentences is where you want to personalize and be relevant. I mean, you notice that if you go over 80%, then the reply rates go down. The reason for that is due to AI and automation. If it's too personalized, the reply rates go down, which is pretty interesting. But again, at the end of the day, 20%, right? 20% of your email, 2x is your reply rate. So it's just those first two sentences that you guys saw, like that's where you want to personalize. Your value prop, your call to action, that can all be scalable, but the first two sentences is where you really want to focus on. How about uh, personalization using the company name as well? A lot of emails are also composed not only with the name of the person, but also using the name of the company. The name of the company in terms of the body or the subject line? Uh, Body. You could definitely do that. I mean, at the end of the day, that can still be automated. So it's not necessarily personalized if you put a company name. You can do that. More so what what would be more personalized is if you take that company, right? You look up what other companies are in their field, right? And see if you have relative case studies to that. And then you talk about how you help other companies in that field. That's a little bit more personalized. Putting the company name is just putting the company name. Right. Okay. So you got that piece. And then this is the email call to actions that I told you all about. So this isn't something I just made up, right? Here's the data. So gong.io says, hey, interest call to actions have higher success rate. All right. So not replies, success rate, which means that you get more meetings at the end of the day. So the key here is is looking at the success rate, which is I want to schedule more meetings at the end of the day, right? Which is the key. And so you notice there's three different call to actions. The the direct one, which is on the far right, left. I mean, the middle one's the open-ended, which is like the how are you, what are you? And then on the far right, obviously you see the interest call to action, which I call the collaborative call to action. So to reference back to that point, I would look at your emails right now and start asking for interest instead of asking for 30 minutes. So think about it for your, from your own perspective. When people ask you for 30 minutes, you're like, oh, 30 minutes. Like, that's very daunting. That's asking. I don't have time for that. It's another meeting. But if I ask you for your interests, you can be like, yeah, that's interesting. And if it's interesting to you, then you will go find time. Right. If I ask, for, ask you for a meeting, you're going to turn your brain off and be like, I'm not interested. 
that's you're interested. If, if you're interested, you are interested, then I can schedule a meeting, right? So progressive next steps here. So ask for interest instead of asking for the meeting. So that's how you set up those emails. Now, social. All right, so the social here. Oh, I didn't know they had claps over here. Been much. I didn't know they had claps on this platform. I see like claps going on. Like, where, I need, need some more claps. I didn't know they had emojis. In this. <laughs> I need some more class, man. That's pretty cool. So, all right. So social, right? Like what I want you all to focus on here is making sure that your headline is on point and also your profile picture is on point as well. And the key factor here is that you want to make sure that you're also being personalized in the way that you go about your messaging. So you guys see here on the right that I have some personalized messaging that I do and it all is based on a formula. So it's acknowledge relate and question. So I'm acknowledging that that person in their field or whatever that is, I'm relating to them in some way. I, I don't, I don't know how, but I want to relate to them based on the persona, which is how I'm going to do that. Okay. Then, then a question, which is normally open-ended, right? As you see on the bottom one. So this is a way to personalize your messages to get people to engage with you, right? So that you can stand out and break through the noise right now. So as you're doing that though, you have to make sure that your profile is on point. And it's relative and it's relevant to the people you're talking to. So what I want you all to do is after this session, right? There's a lot of things we're talking about, but this is important. Is go look at your headline and see, am I talking about how I help my buyer? Because if you're not, then they're going to come to your profile and be like, what do you do? Right. Because if you could say CEO or inside sales rep or SDR or AE, like there's a lot of those people that are CEOs, AEs, SDRs. That's not as relevant. Like there's a lot of those people, right? That's not breaking through the noise. You be, you are the noise. So how do you break through it is you talk about how are you helping your clients? How are you helping your buyers? So what I do is I help sales reps prospect through the noise. That's that's what I do, right? And obviously there can be an outlier where there are other people such as founders, right? We have a lot of founders here on the conversation. I do that as well. But my whole thing that I do is I help people break through the noise and prospect through the noise. So if someone comes to my profile, they're like, all right, that's what Morgan does. That makes a lot of sense. Then I also have my YouTube channel that I host. And then I also have like an accolade that I got, right? But the whole thing here is that you want to make sure you're talking about your buyer. You want to have a very customer centric profile, which also leads into this. Now, this, this whole thing is, is a novel and it is an autobiography because this is my bio, right? So this is what I'm all about here. And so, again, I would consider, right, looking at your bio and making sure that you're relevant and putting yourself in a way that's contextualized, that people want to talk to you, all right? So this is just another way of going about it. So people, again, are leaning in to be like, I, I want to talk to you a little bit more. Then your job description. This is where a lot of people miss out. I'm putting relevant information. They put out all the accolades that they have instead of putting how, again, they help the buyer. So having a very customer-centric profile. So what you want to do here is you want to add media. Like what are case studies? What are the testimonials that you have that can help people along the way? So you see here on my job description, I have different case studies and testimonials that I have leveraged that, Again, people have used our platform. 
people have used our training, right? And now they have these results. So now I put these here. So if someone comes to my profile, they're like, oh, what is Morgan done? All right, well, cool. He's worked with these clients and these are the results he's got, right? So it gets them to be a little bit more excited there. So make sure that you have that media in there as well. And also here's another tactic, all right? Voice messaging on LinkedIn. So if you're like, hey, Morgan, I'm not comfortable with voice messaging or video messaging, you can also do voice messaging. And also we've seen this to be successful in India. I have a rep right now. His response rate is a 50% by using the voice messages. All right. So this isn't just something that just works in the States. I have a live example from someone in India that uses this, the voice messages, and they have a 50% reply rate by doing this technique alone. All right. So this is super important as well. If you don't feel comfortable with the video, I would lean on the voice messages. With the same now, template, 10, 30, 10? Yep, I'm about to go, yep, exactly what I was about to say. It's the same 10, 30, 10. So there's no reinventing the wheel here. Same formula, right? The only difference here is that it, it's up to 60 seconds. So you can't go over 60 seconds. So you just got to make sure that it's tight. But like I said, you want to be between 45 and 55 seconds here to make sure that you're getting that knowledge, all right? So that's the real key here, is that use the formula, right? Use it consistently, but you only have 60 seconds and you can only use it on the mobile, but same methods apply, right? On the mobile, et cetera, and all those things I said earlier. And the only, the only thing to add to this is obviously, these are my stats here. You notice that I did more in less time. So this allows you to do more of an output because you don't have to do a video, right? You could crank out as many voice messages as you want to. And they're super simple to do, right? So that's one thing I would also take in consideration as well. Fantastic. Now, here's an example. Beth is out of the UK and she sent a voice message and she got a reply. So I'm just showing you guys how it looks like on the platform. So she sent her voice message, can't replies, and then they set up time, right? So right. that's an example of that. So again, that, that voice message there is really key, right? You want to make sure that again, you're putting yourself in the right spot so you can get those responses. Now you guys see this right here. I know in India, you really, you guys don't do a lot of voicemails. So I'm not going to talk about the voicemail here. So ignore that in part of it. We're going to talk about how to make just effective calls. If you're doing a cold call really at the end of the day, what you want to be focused on is a formula that leads to success. So you see part of it's already here. So let's just focus on the, the first three things. Intro, attention grabber, and call to action. If you want to have successful calls, you need to make sure you nail three of those. So I'm gonna go to the ones that are on the bottom. I'm gonna bottom top. So I'm gonna go call to action. So your call to action at the end of the day should be calling to action to get a meeting or you can also ask for interest. So keep that in mind. Your attention grabber should be your value prop, something similar to what I have here. But the most important piece is your intro. The first five seconds of the call is the most critical. Okay, because if you don't get the first five seconds nailed down, then you're in trouble. All right, no one's going to respond to you. All right, so you want to make sure that your first five seconds are on point. The rest of the call will be fine. So what are those first five seconds? Morgan, so we, we lost your screen. You lost my screen? Yeah. Can you see it now? Uh, 
I have some people saying the screen is yeah. fine. So that screen is okay. All right, cool. So intro, right? What do you do as an intro? Now I'm going to tell you all what I do as an intro, and then I can tell you how you can modify it to make it still suitable for the reason that you're in. So I call this the P L A. All right. So this is going to sound awkward for some of you guys. Going to be like, "Well, this is an awkward intro." But if you can nail this intro down, you're going to see more success. We've talked to a lot of people about it, and they're seeing a lot of results from it. So this is how it goes. So I'm calling Sally. We'll use Sally for example. Hi, Sally. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, you know I'm calling you out the blue here. However, do you have a few moments to chat? All right, so I'm gonna go over that one more time and then I'll explain to you why it's called the PLA. So what I do is, hi, Sally, thanks for taking my call. Hey, you know, I'm calling out the blue here. However, do you have a few moments to chat? Now, why does this work? So this is a huge pattern up. So if you notice that I didn't lead with my name, you can add your name here if you want to. You could be like, hi, I'm Morgan Ingram from X company. And the re um, thanks for taking my call and then go into it, whatever. But the whole thing is, the PLA stands for pleasant, laughing, and arms up. So in the beginning, I'm pleasant. So I'm thanking you for taking the call. Most people, when they get called, they never get thanked for taking the call. So you're immediately breaking down a barrier. Then the next piece is I'm laughing. Because I laugh, it breaks down your barrier even further. And not a creepy laugh. It's not like, oh, hey, like, <laughs> you know, like, you don't be weird with the laugh. Like, make sure it's natural. Then the A is arms up. So I'm like, hey, like, how are you doing a few moments to chat, right? I'm putting my arms up to make sure you can get engaged. So that's the PLA. And that works really well in terms of engaging with your buyer. And normally what's up happening is people say, what do you want or who are you? And then you can just go into, yeah, the reason for my call is, and then you go into the conversation. So everything I said here, here's just a playbook that you all can leverage here moving forward based on everything I talked about here in our time today. So if you want to screenshot this, write this down, this is something you can leverage. Again, we have different clients using this. You can take out steps. You can expand on those steps. Again, this is just something you all can leverage, just a takeaway that you can go do. And that's it. That's all I have in terms of the art of modern day prospecting. What you can you be doing? How can you be leveraging it today? Hopefully you all found one, two or three things you can go leverage here moving forward to see success. But those are a couple things from a tactic perspective that you can do. So now what I'm gonna do is I'm going to stop sharing my screen. I'm gonna come back here. And I believe we have some questions that we wanna get answered here. Yeah. So we're now in the Q and A. Absolutely. Part. This was uh, fantastic, uh, Morgan. Thank you so much. The PLA, uh, you know, example of the framework that he gave is as fresh as it gets. So I remember seeing the first uh, you know, mention of it on a recent uh, summit uh, by Vidyard. That's where I, I heard you talk about it uh, or on a recent uh, LinkedIn post. And I think uh, one of your followers called David, he showed a social proof that it really works for him. So that, that was really amazing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Shout out, to, shout out to David. Yeah. The question is, have you seen mentioning the name of, the, of their company in the subject line help? Yes, it can. However, I've seen, so this is, this is one that I use, for example, so I'll put it in the chat to answer your question here. So yes, I've seen it help. However, you want to put your company name and that, it leads to more responses or more opens, right? So more opens lead to more responses, right? Because you get a higher chance. So this is an example of a 
subject line that I use. I just put it in the chat. So that's what I use. I found that by putting your company name, you get a higher open rate is what we've seen according to the data. You can also change that Mary and put their company name. So you could put Google JB sales, right? So you can also do that another way too. But yeah, I have seen it to be effective. However, the first one I gave you, we seem to have a higher open rate. Have you seen any change in patterns between pre-COVID and post-COVID? In terms of what? In all these open rates, in all these multi-touch point, uh, what was working before, yeah, so what's more working now? Connection rates are way down in terms of the phone because people aren't in the office, right. so it's harder to get people's direct dials. Email responses have gone down because more people are sending out emails because they're frantic and they're panicked and the messaging isn't as good and right and more people have are at home so they're going through their emails more and also they're just getting more volume of emails because people don't aren't as busy right so they could send more emails right and what we've seen the increase in linkedin activity we see more conversions there and we've seen more usage of video and more conversions there and those are things that i've seen to be successful but it's not saying that the phone and the email doesn't work but we've just seen that linkedin video has been more successful in terms of what I've heard people say, you know, I have one client, he even, even told me he was like 60% of their meetings come from LinkedIn. So it's pretty interesting. I think you've got two more questions. Can you give an example of a powerful intro for a cold call? Naveen, it's the one that I shared earlier. I could say that again, but it's the one that I just, I just told you about. So it was the, hi, Naveen, thanks for taking my call. Hey, you know, I'm catching you out the blue. However, do you have a few months to chat? That's my powerful intro. The whole goal with the intro is to interrupt your pattern and to get them to lean in, to be like, oh, okay, like, I'm interested, like, I wanna talk to you. Because if you just say all the stuff that you do, it's a value vomit and nobody wants to hear that. So that's an example of the Powerful Show and that's the one I was discussing earlier in the presentation. So it's after this intro, the prospect responds and then you jump into the value prop and everything else, right? Correct, correct. That, that's, so it's, Intro, I want to make sure that you have, you, you are like interested in talking to me to some degree. Cool. You've done that. Then now I'm going to go value prop. Then I'm going to go call to action. And that's how I normally set it up. Next question is, uh, I think this is again for the subject line example. How can JB sales get 3x clients in eight weeks? Is that a good example to use company name in the subject line? That's, that's, so that, that's too generalistic. So you're just saying, eight, three X clients in eight weeks, you might not be able to exactly do that, right? Like you may have done it for one client, but you have to make sure that that's relative. So I would, I would, if I'm going to use a company name, I'm going to use a company name that is in their space, right? Hey, how I helped a peer three, how we helped one of your peers do X, right? That's way more relative than just like, Hey, this is how we help on average three X because that's just, that's too generalistic. Like, and the person's going to have those expectations and you might not be able to do that. Right. So I would just stick with, if you're going to do something about a relative proof point, you want to make sure the relative proof point has something to do with the case to, to the industry and the people you're talking to. Cause otherwise it's just a proof point that comes off as, Whoa, that's too much hype and not believable. So you just got to make sure that you're tying that with the people that are in your space too. Next question is from Suresh. Do you suggest using negative statements like over 80% succumb to this to grab attention? In terms of what? In the subject line. Like, like where? It's something you could definitely check out. However, at, I think at the end of the day, that's not something I would put in the subject line. That's something that I'd put in the body of the email. And, and you could change that. You could be like, based on my research, 
I've talked to a lot of ex people, and this is something that I can imagine this is something you deal with because we hear this. And they mention your stat. I think by putting that as a stat in the subject line, that might lead into thinking it's a marketing messaging campaign and people might not open that. So I would focus on something a little bit more relevant and personalized in the subject line and then put that example in the body to explain that a little bit further. That would be my take there. Next question is from Shubham uh, from Flow Career. What's the best way to approach a new client virtually? Because in this pandemic, there is no physical meet possible and how we can take it forward. Like we should send follow-ups regularly. I think the question, if I can state it right, is to understand one, the number of uh, you know follow-up sequences that you should use and you know, your playbook kind of gives a breakup of the types of follow-ups that you could use. But if you can talk a little bit about yeah. a typical follow-up sequence, would you do like five, seven, eight spread across multiple days? Well, what's your recommendation until you give up? Yeah. So. So this is this is follow up in terms of I'm trying to get a new conversation, not I talk with a new client and I'm following up and the ghost of me because there's two different answers. Okay. I'm assuming I'm assuming it's I'm assuming it's a net new person that I'm just trying to yes. get a conversation. Yes. I'm assuming that. All right. So okay. So if that's the case, then the touch points are gonna be different for everyone. I can tell you it's 15 touches in 30 days. I can tell you it's 20,000, right? So this is what I this is what I recommend for you to do is I would do 11 touches in 20 days. That's that's what I do. So it's four calls, five emails and two social touches in 20 days. So 20 days is a month about a month and a half, so 20 business days. And so that essentially is what I do in terms of my follow-ups and then once I've done those 11 touches, I don't reach back out to them until three to four months. So in those three to four months, right, I'm, I'm going to re-engage with them to see, like, did the priorities change once we move to another quarter, right? Because I don't want to follow up with you the next week after I sent you all those touch points because you clearly just weren't interested at the time. I got to wait a little bit to re-engage with you. So that's what I would do there. However, you can easily take the playbook I gave you and less those steps. But the whole goal is once you're done with those steps, wait three, four months to re-engage. Next question, any tips on the first uh, message intro in LinkedIn apart from video and voice? Yeah, so on seeing the connection requests, you can also just send a blank note, right? That's something you also can do. Uh, another thing you can do is look at their mutual connections, look and see if there's someone that you're mutual connected with that obviously they're connected with, and then you can use that as a way to leverage and get those insights. Ultimately, the best thing I would tell you in terms of the first message for a connection request is to connect with as many people as you can in that company, so then you can start getting more responses too. Okay. So that, because the more mutual connections you have with an individual, the more likelihood they're gonna accept you. So that's a tip as well. Or another tip I can give you is asking a question, like ask a question that's that they deal with on a day-to-day -day basis so that they will further engage with you. So that's another additional tip too. Uh, ask a question with respect to what you also offer or ask a question purely with respect to their company. Purely, so ask a question based on what they deal with on a day-to-day -day basis, right? So you you know what the buyer's going through, like you're talking to them, right? You have the good gauge. So by asking them a question that's relative to what's going on their day-to-day, -day, they're going to be more willing to open up, right? Because at the end of the day, no one really cares about the product. They care about what the product can help them in terms of solving their problems, right? So if I can ask them questions about their problems and pique their interests, people are way more willing to have that conversation with me. Fantastic. Next question is, in an email, can we start with a tagline, 453 clients, one, one two, five, six projects, 95% on time to grab attention? 
to me, that seems like there's a lot going on in that <laughs> because what, what type of clients, how many, what type of projects, like, again, it's about being very granular, right? Like if you got that in your inbox, would you be like, oh, that's interesting. Or you'd be like, okay, like that's a lot going on. To me, I see that and I'm like, all right, well, to me, okay, 453 clients, 125 or 1,256 projects, like, okay, cool. So like, what about those clients and projects should interest me, right? Like if none of those clients or projects are related to what I do, I'm simply gonna move on and I might not even open it, right? So I would just take it and put a client that's relevant to them, a project that's relevant to them and then keep the 95% on time. So it's just about, again, about making this is, again, be brief, be brilliant, be gone. We can't miss out on the be brilliant part, right? Because that's just a lot of people and a lot of clients and that just is content versus the context that I was talking about. I have one question. Uh, so several years ago in India, a lot of callers, people calling to the United States uh, used to undergo yeah. uh, heavy English accent training, right? Now with SaaS companies coming up, a lot in India and also selling to US and UK. Accent training is no longer deemed a priority, right? Um, mm. Are you also getting to see this, uh, hear this a lot from not only from uh, customers who are taking calls from India, but also from other parts of the world? How, how much do you think that uh, that is a barrier or it's no longer a barrier? I hear it it's hard for me to directly talk to it because I don't have that barrier. So I don't feel the same emotion towards it. Right. Cause I'm not the one directly dealing with it. However, I do hear it a lot when I talk to clients in India, I, I don't have any suggestions in terms of training your accent. Cause that's not essentially what I do. Mm -hmm. However, what I would suggest is if you want to get better is practicing with your colleagues that are in other countries you know, the best way to learn is always just do mock cold calling with other people and practice. Like, how can I get better at that accent or that language or make myself sound better? I think ultimately at the end of the day, as long as you're providing insights and value that someone wants, people are willing to listen. How I have, I have heard this quite a bit and I know it is a challenge for some people out there. However, the tip I gave is a suggestion that I have. However, I think it's going to be something that I don't have the exact answer to. Okay. But how, do you see that to be a barrier? For, for prospects and responding or taking calls and stuff like that. I, it, it's not I, I think it depends. The calls could also be from other countries as well, right? Who are on the- Yeah, I think, I think that's with all. Yeah, yeah, I think it's with all of the countries, right? Cause like you think about some, you know, if I was talking to someone with a heavy accent out of Europe, like I might not be able to understand right. them, right? And I gotta take a step, and, but I've been in Europe quite a bit, so I can but someone who may have not have been left the country, like it may be harder for them to understand that dialect, right? So it definitely is a barrier. However, at the end of the game, I wouldn't let the barrier stop you. Another question, uh, some examples of subject lines for an email to grab the attention. Yeah, so I threw I threw one in there. Um, ultimately, here's some other examples. Here's some templates, because again, with the subject line, you have to make sure that you add context to it. So again, like I talked about, there's no, silver bullets here. So if I give you a subject line, you're not going to be like, oh, there's a 100% open rate. Like there is there is nothing that has that. However, there are templates. So um, the your, you can use this like your or whatever. People at the end of the day want to talk about themselves. So whenever you put your whatever, you could, you're going to get responses. Um, also, plus signs is good as well. So like if I'm targeting someone, this is something I might do. I might go, let's say they're a 
cricket fan. All right. So what I'm going to do is, and I found out that they're hiring reps. So I might be hiring, I might do this hiring reps plus cricket plus maybe sales. All right. That's an example. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to find a topic that's relevant to them based on what I'm reaching out to them for the trigger. The middle is something unique to them. And then the last piece is like the company name, right? I do this a good bit. Um, another one you could do is their first name. Uh, I've been researching X, which means their company. So I just gave you three templates right there you can play off of. But ultimately, at the end of the day, the goal is to figure out what context can I bring to this person and get them to open up. Ultimately, a lot of your body that's in your email should relate to your subject line anyway. So you have a lot of stuff you can also leverage there too. Got it. Uh, I think I'll, I have one last question, uh, Morgan, before we yep. wrap this up. Uh, so there are two ways to do email campaigns, right? So one is to do an account-based uh, approach where I have created a, a, CD, a template for everyone to be sent out in that company, my, in my buyer persona. Second is I have created a list of uh, buyer personas across companies. In your opinion, which do you see is a better approach to outreach? What was it? So what was the first approach? Uh, I have uh, say company X, say I'm selling it to Google and in yep. Google I'm talking uh, to say, uh, say the cloud uh, team and I have mm -hmm. five levels of communications that I have and I'm yep. shooting it out to, to say 50 people within Google. Right? Okay. Uh, this is an account based approach. Uh, the entire email is crafted specifically to Google. The other approach is I am talking, I am trying to reach out to the director of engineering across 10 different companies. Right? Mm -hmm. And I have a message specific to the director of engineering. So in your opinion, what do you think is a, you know, has a better approach or both of them are fine from getting references? So it's it's both it's both it's it's understanding that you're closing the account not the person okay when you close google you're not saying hey i closed sam right you say we close google however you have to make it relevant to sam in order to close google so it's hey we have to identify what count we're going after right you can't identify i want to talk to just sam in google because that's going to limit you however you have to make it relevant and personalized for sam for him to talk to you Right. So it's yeah, everything that you should be focused on is account based. We're going after Google. Right. That first part, though, is like that's a marketing campaign. Like we're just going to send out 50 messages to people at Google to get them maybe to go to a webinar or something. All right. That's fine. But the second part is where you should be more, more focused on as a seller. So it's you're having the you should have the mindset of, hey, we're going after accounts. And then, hey, we're going to add context to that in terms of, hey, we're now going to do this here. So that's what I would say there. Fantastic. Amazing. Thank you so much, Morgan. I think we are at the end of questions and we are also you know, uh, out of uh, time here as well. So thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed. I took, I have a lot of takeaways. I see a great engagement from the audience as well. Uh, I hope everyone here enjoyed as well. So appreciate uh, you taking time, Morgan. Thank you so much once again. Uh, loved every slide of yours. Uh, so much of tactical insights uh, that you had to share. Thank you so much for being on Pitch Camp today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Thank you. All right. See you guys.